Welcome to That's What Sure Said. I'm Adam. And I'm Brooks. And this is the show where we think long and hard about The Office, Parks and Recreation, and all the other great content produced by Greg Daniels and Michael Schur. Here we go. Well, you know, the, the good thing about these streaming services, sometimes you get brand new shows, seemingly out of the blue. And uh, that is the case this week with the brand new Peacock original original series. It's a Michael Schur, Ed Helms production. It's called Rutherford Falls. And you know what? We're going to talk about it. First of all, going into this, I had no expectations. Did you have any sort of like idea of what this show would be like before you dove in? And also, I'll just quickly say, we're going to sort of weed through the first five episodes here, and then we'll cover the second half of the season in another episode. Adam, what did you think of Rutherford Falls? Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to, to get these, you know, post-office shows and Parks and Rec and, you know, with uh, Michael Schur and Greg Daniels. But I think this one, um, so far from what I can tell, like, this one seems to kind of have, like, hit all the right notes in terms of, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, like, I still kind of just selfishly want, like, another mockumentary-style comedy um, <laughs> cause I just like that style. I think it's, yeah. I think it really, it's cool. Cause you get more of the zooms and the looks, but for what we got <laughs> in this, like this kind of like the, the polished kind of comedy, like we were talking about for space force, that one to me didn't work, but this one does, you know, and yeah. I'm comparing them because it's Greg Daniels and Michael Schur. And it's also a team up of two office, a right, you know, a, a creator showrunner and a star, so it's easy to kind of compare them, but I think what it was is it's just with this, we get a grounded down the earth story characters, you know, it's, it, it's also some unknowns as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like how it's, uh, I think I, I was reading, it's like the most indigenous like writing staff. It's like more than half the staff I think is the of the writing crew is a native American. And so like, they're really focusing on that element. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool because it's like it's 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 like the thing you want to you always want to talk about and you want to bring more awareness to, but it's a it's a way to do that in a comedic, subtle way, um, you know, and maybe some not so subtle ways throughout the show. But overall, yeah, I like the comedic timing. Um, I like how it's, uh, you know, there's there's some elements, there's some characters that are a little eh, a little iffy for me. We'll get into that, um, <laughs> but overall, I'd say I really. I enjoyed the first five episodes. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, oh my gosh, my next favorite comedy of all time. But it's really, it, like I said, it's, it does what it needs to do, I think, in many mm-hmm. respects. Yeah, so it works for me, uh, personally. What about you? Yeah, I think you really, you know, I think you really hit a lot of those nails on the head there. And I definitely agree so far with that sort of overall take in terms of a prestige comedy tv show where you know everybody looks beautiful and has great style and you know it's not like a mockumentary everybody's kind of a realistic character right i totally agree it works very well uh i think it works better than than space force in general just as a concept as sort of the the world of the characters you know i think it it works well and also i think yeah the indigenous representation it's handled I think perfectly because it's just part of the show. It's not like a show about indigenous. It is kind of about indigenous representation, but it's not explicitly about that. And 
it's just, it's a very, I think, well written and well sort of conceived show in general. And, and I think a lot of the characters sort of help with that execution of this is just a very relatable world with very realistic characters. And oh, yeah. I think even, you know, maybe some of the moments that do feel a little bit forced or like overt, like over the top a little bit for every one of those. I think, I feel like there's like three or four like really subtle, hilarious scenes that are like, <laughs> yeah. that really do right. work. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I, so far in the first five episodes, yeah, it does really work well. And I think, vast majority of the moments in the first half of this season are enjoyable and and funny and like sort of smart and yeah i'm excited to kind of dive into some of some of the specifics here i have a few notes i just wrote a few like little notes we can just kind of talk about like like small things like little moments within the show like um there was an f-bomb dropped in in the second episode (laughs) like oh okay that's crazy tv 14 show it's like I know you can do that with like shows like The Walking Dead or like, you know, like I don't know Breaking Bad, but like I didn't think you could just throw an f bomb into like a TV fourteen comedy. But can you remind me of what that particular f bomb? The context of that was. It was the word no. Um, <laughs> it's like obvious. No, it was uh, during the um, like when that podcaster was the podcast guy was like trying. Oh to fight yeah, him. yeah. Paul F. Tompkins character, yeah. Another another little interesting thing was there was like a video of Rutherford Falls that they were watching, and it looked like the Parks and Rec field hmm. um, from the intro, <laughs> which would be kind of you know. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like little Easter eggs in there uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, doesn't the town look like Hill Valley, like the Hill Valley set slash Universal lot back area? I don't know. It's just that town looks a lot like Hill Valley from Back to the Future. Yeah. Like the structure of yeah, it. Yeah, there's definitely that same kind of like, yeah, that there's like an outside sort of town square. It definitely, yeah, some of those like crane shots and stuff. Yeah, that like all-American, all-American feel and like... For yeah. the first couple episodes, I was wondering where in America it's supposed to be. In the third episode, they do mention it's in New York. Uh, excuse me, it's in New Jersey. Mm. Nathan's brother mentions that. And by the way, speaking of Nathan's brother, mm. um, Nathan Rutherford being the main sort of titular character of the show uh, at Helms, um, and I think we can maybe get into a little bit more into his character in a, in a second here. Um, but just real quickly, his brother played by, um, a character actor by the name of something that I don't have right in front of me, but it, you know, he was, I was expecting a name to come out there. <laughs> he was, he was in how I met your mother. He played Don. Oh yeah. The boyfriend of Robin. Yeah. Robert. And he's been in like a bunch of other little things. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I tried the naked man. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, his his name in the show is Lawrence Rutherford, right? But his nickname mm. is Does D U Z Does. <laughs> and I just real quick, what is that about? Like, is that like a northeastern American? Like, is that like a maybe a waspy is it like thing? Richard and Dick or like that kind of thing? Where it's maybe like, where does the name where does that come from? <laughs> like, yeah, like Lawrence yeah. Does like Does Does. Okay, I'm gonna you know. But between now and the next episode when we cover the the rest of the the series I'm going to I'm going to figure that out. But um 
yeah, you know, his brother, uh, I think plays a, a, a crucial sort of part in the plot of the first sort of half of this season. But, but before that, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about Nathan Rutherford, Ed Helms character. Yes. So what are your thoughts on this sort of seemingly titular main character that in sort of all of our, you know, we, we, he should be sort of the main character, right? Yeah, we should be. And, but he's not. Not, not quite, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad he's not, though. I mean, I, I honestly, I think we don't need it to be about this one guy. I think it's called Rutherford Falls for a reason, you know? Um, so I'm glad yeah. that, that we just use him as the anchor, the get-off point, and then we've got a, enough other good characters like Reagan and Terry um, and, like, you know, people like that who are mm-hmm. kind of also able to hold their own episodes, you know, um, which is something I noticed. I noticed that there was, like, a lot of focus on different characters for different episodes and kind of what their motivation is for why they feel how they feel and all that kind of stuff. And so when it comes to Nathan, you know, it's hard like to be like, like, it's not like a, like, like a Larry David curb your enthusiasm thing where he's in every scene, you know? So he's very, sometimes we don't see him for a while. Yeah. Um, and so, like I said, that's fine with me. Cause I mean, I think he's a cool character, but it's not like he's, uh, you know, He's funny, I, I, but it's just not the thing where I'm like, where's Nathan? I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for Nathan to come back. You know, I think the yeah. show has gotten a good ensemble of characters, you know, to where he doesn't really, like, I think they realize they're like, we're not going to do another office where we're going to make it about this one guy in every episode who's has his shenanigans. He still has his shenanigans, but they realize that they need to focus that, you know, the, the ensemble is the key. And, and I mean, that's what Michael Schur is really good at. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. you have, you have the star like uh, like like in the good place you know you have Kristen Bell you know she's like you know your lead kind of who kind of comes in but as as the show progresses you've got all these other ensemble actors who are really holding the show same with like New Girl you know shows like that and I think that's kind of what they're what they're doing you know to where he is kind of the the main character quote unquote but there are plenty of other characters that are going to I think hold the show going. And I think that's what we need, you know? So that's good. Um, what about you? What, what are your thoughts on his actual character? Like what he, you know, what he does? Yeah. I mean, I, again, like I, I kind of see it the same way in terms of he's a sort of solid, stable character in terms of, you know, very sort of predictable and, you know, provides a lot of like reactions and motivations and stuff. But, like ultimately, in my mind, I mean, he is just like an amalgamation of Andy Bernard and Michael Scott, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for, like ignorant to what he's doing, fighting for something he doesn't really understand. Yeah, good natured, but yeah. but ultimately sort of aloof and missing the yeah. mark, yeah. and but still lovable, and you know, he's still you know his his friendship with Regan and, and you know, it's, it, it's sort of genuine. And so you can yeah. relate to it. Um, but yeah, it, it's good that he's not sort of like the main character because that's not a character you can sort of fully relate to. Um, which I think, you know, Regan and Terry so far in these first couple episodes are much more like just relatable in terms right. of the backstory you get, from them. I mean, we get a little bit of backstory in terms of the Rutherford family. Um, you know, but it's, 
it does just feel like the Andy, like his, you know, his ancestors, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of thing where it's the like, boat. and I'm sure that, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, oh, they probably own slaves, you know, that kind of thing. And that feeling of just like, he doesn't really realize, but he kind of does. Cause it's weird in yeah. that one episode with the podcast, he realizes what he's saying. And he's like, well, I don't want that to come out like that. Cause the podcasters kind of luring him to talk like, to kind of bring it out. And it's like, oh, well. Yeah, like that's true, and you know, but then it's like he doesn't really. Still, after that, he's still kind of fighting for the statue, not really thinking about how yeah. it's affecting other people. So it's like he's learning lessons, but then he's not really developing himself yet. Yeah, um, exactly. Like he's from those lessons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's blind to some things, but other things he's sort of, you know, he he's he's smart, but he he's certainly, uh, yeah, he gets sort of blinded by his ego and. And, um, he, yeah, he just has this attachment to, to his, to his heritage and like, I don't know, it does, that's sort of. The Rutherfords are important to history. It's just like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's hard to relate to that as much, you know? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Whereas like the other characters, you, you can really relate to their motivations and their just, I mean, so, you know, I think maybe we can get into Regan a little bit. You know, this is not like a nobody actor, but certainly I haven't seen her in many things. Um, I was looking her up, and I think she's just like done a podcast or something. I don't think she's done much, so I think this is like kind of one of her first things. Yeah, I'm sure she's done something like short films, yeah, and whatever, like some kind of small little th- things. But this is her first big like role, um, yeah, from what it looked like, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's really funny. She's though. great. Really she's hilarious, yeah. and like she's super empathetic, and like. Just all those sort of she she has all these ranges of emotions and it's it's really cool yeah. to see like just like yeah just like a new actor kind of like kill this role and she's much more kind of I think a little bit more the main character even though you know obviously yeah, again it's yeah. more of an ensemble show like just in terms of the character you can sort of project yourself onto the most it's yeah. sort of an amalgamation of those two Nathan and Regan. So yeah, yeah, so great writing there. And Terry, I think Terry's even more like I think because Ray, Reagan and I think they're all kind of connected in a way. But I, I like I like Terry's backstory. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, I think Terry again is like a major character you can empathize with. But I also think he's primarily an antagonist. You know, he's yeah, he's definitely set up to be someone who <laughs> is going to is going to cause conflict and stuff right. and um just he's like a great mix of like like funny smart you know ruthless but he's also kind of got that little moments where he's trying to like help people you know but yeah. like you can tell it's like he's just doing it a lot of it is to sharky um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know oh what am i Which, that one reference like where they do you remember that yeah like the shark tank reference the, that was the first moment i laughed out loud yeah. Like I, I think it was the first episode, and I, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> like all the pop culture references are really good, and like oh yeah, a lot of times, um, like a show like Seinfeld, it's kind of like I think that's too old sometimes for the I, I can't follow the references, but like yeah, I think uh, these like like The Office and Parks and Rec are you know very good at, and then this show is very good at throwing in cultural you know like like pop culture references that aren't. I don't know. It's hard well, to explain the difference. Well, I kind of disagree, honestly, because I feel like it's just more, it's better for us because it's 
present oh, yeah, day references, is. you know, but they're still yeah. ultimately mostly like present day references, you know, like, right. It's just like, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like if, I guess it's like the, the approach like Seinfeld would take that always be kind of like, like, what are you, Morty Myers? You know, they just say some name. I had no clue who it is. And, and <laughs> I, maybe it's the execution of yeah, it. Yeah. And know? just the, the studio audience, like the laugh. The, uh, what, the, the laughing laugh at just a name that I don't yeah, know the name exactly yeah. yeah or just like some little impression <laughs> that's like super small and then everybody like laughs at what, it yeah oh the music too yeah let's talk about the music like do you think it works do you think it's too much of it do you think it's this is tough for me so I really don't I'm not a fan of the music so far okay but I think it's something that I just I'm not used to, if that makes sense. So it's a, it it, like the way that the, the way the show uses music, it's pretty much all like non-diegetic music, just like score, like orchestral kind of, you know, just painting emotions in the scene or painting tones in the scene. And like 90% of the time, I don't like that. And I understand like the lack of any music can be jarring and stuff. And, and so I understand like sort of the, especially for this kind of like style of show, you probably need something, but I don't know. It just feels like, I I think this is the same problem with space force, right. That we talked about. Yeah. It's just doesn't feel super intentional. And like, yes, it does. the, The music does, have a purpose and it and yeah. it sort of it does its job but yeah i just it's it takes us more away from the like like i was saying the mockumentary style that's like more of the realism that doesn't rely as much on like a, a studio audience or b music and i think both of those can be distracting in in comedy like i hate scoring comedy like when someone's like, oh, I have a new comedy film, I'm like, I just, well, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you want me on this? Because sometimes it's like, it, a, the only time I think it works to score comedy is if you're scoring the opposite. So like, okay, so you're making, like you're making an action comedy. You, you score it like, or not opposite, but like an action movie. Yeah. You don't score it like a comedy, you know? And so yeah. it's hard for comedies to kind of have a musical identity other than like something like this, where it's just like, dum <laughs> and just little things like that that just kind of like they're almost yeah. like little pizzicatos and just kind of like dun, 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 dun. I just think of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as the perfect example of mm. a show that uses music in a very effective and like stylistic way and yep. it's an action comedy show and so the music is all like action sort of music it's very quick little musical sort of interludes. Um, yeah. There's not like a theme song, right? Necessarily. I mean, I guess there's the, well, the there's, yeah, the intro, but it's not like the, throughout the show, there's just little yeah, you don't hear transitional things. Like the theme, <laughs> <Yeah>. like slower. <laughs> <laughs> like that, the, like in the finale, like it's like they all just walk off like <laughs> uh, half speed. And I, I always like in Brooklyn Nine Nine the every the transitions the like it's the radio police radio during all the transitions yeah, you know right exactly so so that's my point is that that's a great example of it's not like a mockumentary show that mm-hmm. like The Office where they don't use right. music at all right but it, so but it's it's very effective and it's stylistic and it matches the tone of the show 
this show does have a cool style and tone, but the music doesn't really match it. It's just very, it just feels very basic. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry to whoever the composer, music, you know, supervisor, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you score a show like this, honestly. Because, no, exactly. That's, and that's what I was just yeah. saying is as a composer, I personally don't really think, I think scoring comedy is really hard and yeah. you have to really, have that down it's almost better to just have regular music or just generic anything like that's the point is like it's hard to have a musical identity in a comedy unless it's supposed to be a a mix of like sci-fi drama comedy or something you know then you can get more creative but well i'll quickly mention you know i don't know if you've seen schitt's creek but yes yes. that's a that's a great again a great comedy that another actor from that dustin 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 milligan ted i think (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's great, and uh, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to his character in a moment because yeah, he's a great tick in the yes column for me on this show. But yeah. um, but Schitt's Creek, I think, is a great example of how uh, a comedy can use simple music cues and like develop a style. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just transitional music, but like sometimes it's kind of like how Curb Your Enthusiasm has that just that very simple style and that. You know, they both have the same style too. If you listen to them, like they're both the exact. Oh my same god, style. you're right. Yeah, they're not the same like sort of music sample or anything. But yeah, they are the exactly same kind of same genre, same genre style of like yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean that that that's definitely that. It's not like every comedy has to be that style, but that's a, it's a very maybe though. <laughs> well, it's a good starting point. Maybe that's I guess. the solution. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just the idea of like sort of having like a singular, bold, stylistic choice that works within the tone of the show. Unfortunately, Rutherford Falls doesn't really have that. But um, yeah, but I think you know it's not it's it doesn't ruin the show or anything. It's just like a little bit of a disappointment. Another thing that I thought was kind of cool is how you know the way they flow the end of the episodes. There's always some kind of comedic cliffhanger. Or, like, dramatic cliffhanger, you know? Like, mm. for the most part, there's either, like, we're going to sue, you know, Nathan Rutherford. Yeah. Or, or the other one where it's, like, he, he comes up and he's, like, basically, <laughs> like, gives away everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, that of, of Reagan, you know? You know, and it's just kind of a funny, but it's, like, that kind of, like, is this funny little stinger at the end that just kind of I don't know it's it's they work really well though I like the the endings of the episodes um except for there was one ending that I didn't really like that much I think it was might have been Terry's yeah the one where he's like no thanks I've got everything I need yeah I don't that, I was like, it was a little, a little melodramatic yeah yeah <laughs> I agree with you there I, I liked I liked his backstory but yeah that last part was a little like cheesy <laughs> yeah um. and that's and and I agree with you like most of those endings they, those ending scenes they have this great sort of button and the tone you almost know. Silicon Valley like yeah oh yeah totally yeah exactly yeah. that yeah and that's almost like an HBO thing I feel like like HBO <laughs> yeah. writers rooms have really good they have, they're really good at ending episodes and getting you yeah, like hooked yeah. on watching the next one but yeah so i agree with so far in these first five episodes i liked pretty much every ending except for terry's was like a little bit weird yeah. just i almost wonder if that was just because the way it was written was very melodramatic like yeah and then like the execution of it was a little bit underwhelming like maybe if they made it like the score swelled even more and then like maybe the lights 
changed or something. I don't know. That's I'm talking <laughs> yeah. crazy. But anyways, the point I'm trying to make is I liked pretty much all of those ending scenes, but I didn't really like many of the cold opens. Like I felt like the cold opens oh, were a little yeah. bit like meh. Like some of them were okay and Yeah, I kind of almost even forgot that they had cold opens. I think the first two were were pretty funny from what I remember, like those being and then I kind of feel like after that they kind of just blended together. Like yeah. I was like, "Oh wait, the theme song's playing." Like, you know, you kind of just it kind of just goes really fast. So yeah, I honestly like that's that's kind of true. Yeah, that's you got to it's tough with cold opens, like. Well, but and yet, especially on a show like this, well, you, like it's that's yeah. a, such a plot-based show. That's like true. you can't just have like a moment in the life of like The Office or Brooklyn something Nine-Nine, like that. Yeah, because because yeah, again, yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Nine Nine and The Office are the best shows that ha- you know in terms of cold opens that are just fit yeah. within the reality of the show and the characters, but they're also just completely standalone and they're hilarious. Right. And yeah. So I, you almost don't even need it. Just start with the theme song and go into the, the yeah, story, you know, just skip the theme song. We don't need a theme song. I know. It's like, it's like another parks and rec, but like kind of slower. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe um, we do need a theme song, but it's just, we need a better theme song. I don't know. Or quicker, do that that thing where it's like, you know, the Parks and Rec like, thing. Yeah, or or just anything where you do the shortened theme, you know, where it's just you, you don't ha- <laughs> dun, you don't do dun, the whole dun, like, minute. Dun, 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 yeah, exactly. Well, in this day and age of streaming stuff, I mean everybody's just click and skip intro. So <laughs> I, know. I feel like just <laughs> let's not do any more intros. Let's do let's all do ten second <laughs> intros. Ten second bumpers, you can't skip it. It's just right. a title card. That's it. Who needs a 30 second, 40 second intro anymore? Yeah. Like just yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> For anything, no, let's just get rid of it, you know. It's like the it's like the laugh tracks, you know. It's like we've we've moved past the, the laugh track structured comedies. <laughs> the intern Bobby, what do you think about her? <laughs> I like her. I mean, she like again, this is something I think that is they they did a good job in sort of building the ensemble because you know Nathan is again predictable and sort of if you've seen the office even more so right but with Bobby as sort of his sidekick and you know almost foil to his like super straight-edged white male perspective you know she's funny and like I don't know I just I like her I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming you don't because there's got to be some <laughs> the way, characters the way you don't I, like. And <laughs> the way I like framed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a little too like Kate McKinnon for me or something. She's like just this like kind of Creed kind of person, which who eventually I'll end up liking. That's kind of how it is with these shows. I just initially it's always like kind of just like they just pop in the scenes and have to throw in their 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 jokes. And I just kind of feel like that's how she is a little bit. She's a little like forced. Um, cause I mean, he's got, to me, he's, that's what Reagan's good for is him bouncing off of her. Cause she's kind of a little more aware. And I feel like she's kind of like, uh, Bobby's a little bit more just like, just kind of always trying to come up with like something. She's kind of more like, um, like April from La Parks and Rec. She's just a little yeah. like, Hey, I'm weird. I'm goofy. Look at me. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't I know. April. I, just, I don't. <laughs> 
I'm not. I, well, actually, I like April, but I, I even April in the first season is a little like whatever, yeah. you know. Like I, I'm just not as big of a fan of those kind of characters that are just a little too over the top for me. But also, it's kind of, I, I do agree with what you're saying in the sense of it's good to have a character like that because there are a bunch of characters who are similar to people in the real world and like that. She's very similar to someone you would know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like th- not every character has to be written super funny right you know because not everyone's super funny some people aren't funny or some people are are do force their humor or whatever so to me it's fine i think it's fine it's just kind of like eh, i don't really love her scenes yeah well no and i i i understand too like sort of what you're saying about a lot of the the jokes and the the scenes that kind of fall flat like Bobby's present and part of a lot of that like so right you know I think part of part of what you're saying is is true in the sense that like just that character is sort of meant to be a little bit more of like a quick like quip quippy kind of she has some good moments where she'll say some funny one-liners but then there's just other times where she just like Kate McKinnon Mm. she's like got some funny one-liners and then she's got like 90 other percent of the scene she just pops her face in like hey hey what you guys doing what you talking about Hey, I'm here. Remember me? It's just like, okay, we remember you. You're fine. It's fine. Well, I, (laughs) you know, it's like she feels not as like, doesn't bother me, but she doesn't feel like I'm like, I don't know. It's like maybe it's just because we don't know her. She doesn't go home and have a family and she just feels like this little gnat that's just kind of there. She doesn't, like, I don't know her backstory. And that's, we're only five episodes in. So, I mean, for all I know, I'll change my tone, but. To me, she just feels out of place a little bit. See, I don't need, see, I don't need to like, I don't, see, I kind of like that she doesn't really have a backstory, you know, maybe yet necessarily, but I like that she, you know, you mentioned Regan earlier as kind of being a foil to Nathan and that is good, but Regan's also more of like a main character and we, we have a lot of you know, she's like a fully fleshed out kind of character. Whereas Bobby truly is kind of just like this like comedic sidekick. Um, and so I totally appreciate the fact that her stuff falls flat for you. But I think that's again, just like sort of a, a subjective thing because I really like all of her stuff. Well, not all of her stuff, but you know what I mean? Like just in terms of the character, I like all that. It's also hard too. Cause I guess for someone like Creed, if they, if you don't like them, they're just, they're, they only pop in a few times an episode once or twice an episode with her. It's like she pops in every other scene, you know, with her little jokes. And so it kind of, I guess that's hard. That hard part for me is like, I feel like I'm laughing and then all of a sudden I kind of don't laugh. I'm like, I'm, I really want to laugh at this girl. Like, I think she's got some every funny other stuff scene, every once in a while. Really? She's not in it that much. I mean, she's in it mostly when Nathan's in it, which is, not as much as we were, like we were saying, he, yeah. you know, but she's with him a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's, she's there more than Creed. Let's say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's the only thing I'm really, I don't love about the, I really do. Th- I think yeah, the, so basically the music and Bobby, those are my not super favorite things about mm. the show, but I do like the plot. I like the groundedness of it. I like the characters and the actors overall. I like a lot. Um, I like that there's a lot of the writers who are also the actors. I think that's something that they were talking about in some of the deep dive podcasts was how like having writers be actors Mm. is like also, you know, important rather than just having writers who are writing jokes for 
for people who are you know like trying to say these lines up there and then it just doesn't work as well as if you have writers who can also act or you know kind of be just regular people yeah versus like writers writing for comedians you know which is like how like allison jones said it used to be all the time like she would try to cast comedians in these shows like because she used to cast like uh golden girls and boy meets world and um, you know, and like family ties and she was like, she would like actually have like try to cast comedians because it's like, well, that's what you would do, I guess, back then. Cause it's like, you know, you look over the comedy clubs and find them, but it's like, I think that changed over the years. And then that's why they started to get more of like the Seth Rogans and Paul, you know, and like Paul Rudd's and, uh, you know, people like that who are a little more just kind of chill down the earth people, not necessarily stand up comedians, um, in terms of like their approach mm. to like comedy. Yeah. Um, so like the comedy scene kind of changed a lot over the years, and so yeah, it's, I, I do like that a little more having kind of just normal, normal people who are good actors and just being in these roles versus kind of comedians being all the leads for the, you know, like because it's like Brian Regan necessarily wouldn't be the best lead actor in all these movies. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like, I, I'm glad they're getting away from that. I think because they are two separate arts a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, totally. So, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, it's definitely just that you can tell by just the general writing in the show that it's very, I don't know, like cohesive and, and smart. And it just feels like a, a very first class writing team. Yeah. The writing yeah. translates well through the characters. And, and yeah, there's mm-hmm. like a couple moments that, like, I'm trying to think of, um, like, so here's, okay, so one that actually worked super well for me. I thought this was brilliant. In the third episode, when it's like the Rutherford family reunion or whatever, Nathan is doing the song with his guitar. Oh, and yeah. at first, I thought it was going to be sort of like an Andy Bernard thing. Right. And I was and like, like, oh, folksy. man. But then it was like so much better and different. And I was like, it's oh, like okay, this yeah, is like music. a totally yeah. different character as well. Not just the, not just the yeah. music, but also like he's like really smart and good at this whole thing he's doing. Sort of like, yeah, like a hyper, like Superman kind of family man thing. And so that was that, that yeah. was really well done and, and hilarious. And then the tone sort of shifted when the the new husband like was like oh i can't believe you're selling this place and then you know and then it sort of moves the plot along in like a dramatic yeah so that that was was i thought that was brilliant and then like on the other on the sort of the flip side there was i can't remember which episode it was but there was a scene where they're all talking about like what's okay to like like something was being canceled and like and like the end of the scene had a funny line where Terry was arguing with the mayor about like, you know, she kept saying like, as the first black mayor and oh, he's like, you gotta stop saying that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not bragging about that all the time. He's like, and she's like, yes, you do all the time. Yeah. And then he <laughs> said, I know I say it a lot. And so like this whole thing, and I don't have the luxury <laughs> yeah. of mediocrity and it's just like, so that kind yeah, of stuff I yeah. think, but here's the thing. I think some of it works really well. And then right. like I, I and then like a couple lines just fall a little flat. So right, it's right. it's super weird because like those scenes I think again like they work really well as a whole, but there's just something where they're like trying to thread the needle with the comedy and the drama. And yeah, it's yeah. it's a little bit clunky, but like 
again, like as a whole, I think it works well and like I enjoy it. Right. But there's just like a couple moments throughout where I'm just like, ooh, this is like a little awkward or like not quite as yeah, funny yeah. as maybe they thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But then it like very quickly gets right back on track and it's funny again right. or it's like dramatic again. So, so yeah, I, I wonder if that'll continue in the in the last five episodes um yeah or if it'll be you know better or worse plot more plot heavy maybe because like i feel like the first few is more about character development and kind of getting in your message quote unquote but it's not even a it's like that's the thing is it's 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 a good message that they're able to weave in there organically it's not super on the nose you know i mean it is sometimes but it also there are sometimes where it's really it's put in there like you said just like you know um in in a in a natural way. I mean, like I, I'd say the best show that does that like ever is Kim's Convenience. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. Uh, really good. You should add it. It's on Netflix. Uh, that's like I think the best. It's kind of it's it reminds me of Schitt's Creek and this show a little bit. Hmm. But yeah, no, really good. It, like kind of of mixing the drama with the comedy. Yeah. You know, but but also the awareness of other cultures and stuff like that. It's just like. Very, they're very similar in that sense. Um, highly recommend it for anyone else who <laughs> want, needs to check out a new comedy. So, but you know, Rutherford Falls too is also doing that. I mean, that's that seems like that's kind of the 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 style that they're going for. And so, yeah, we'll we'll see how the next five episodes go. Um, uh, yeah, I was actually there was one funny, hilarious scene <laughs> with him uh, with Dustin Milligan, yeah, Josh, uh, the reporter. He, I, I yeah I, I kept missing his name so okay Josh cool Josh the reporter um, where he, he looks at his phone he's like oh my train's leaving in uh, four hours <laughs> you know <laughs> and then like literally like five minutes later he looks at his phone and he's like oh my my train's leaving up uh, nine minutes like the the execution <laughs> of that was so funny like the fact that like he looks at his phone and both times were a surprise but like <laughs> Yeah. One by how long it was going to be and one by how quickly it like was about to take off or leave, you know. So <laughs> I love that. Um yeah, no, his character is great. His character is really funny. Um and I like how he him and Terry their little back and forth <laughs> in that one episode where he was trying to like, you know, get the like uh, kind of get him like to admit stuff, you know, during the interview and he wasn't he's like, "Oh, I have my my lacrosse game." He's like, Oh well, I'm hoping you're not avoiding questions, and you don't have to actually go to a lacrosse game, you know. Kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. And then he actually goes to the lacrosse game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think exactly. Like, I really like the character, and at first, like in the first few episodes, because we see so little of him, I almost thought like he's just going to be this sort of on the sidelines antagonistic reporter character oh kind of yeah. like one mm-hmm. the reporter like maybe one of the reporters in parks and rec or something but <laughs> yeah it turns out i think he's again just one of these like very well-rounded in a way like obviously still sort of filling out a role in terms of like an archetypal npr reporter who has this agenda but like still he's likable he's relatable he's you know he's given this sort of his character is given this like uh sort of well-rounded portrayal and so mm-hmm. i think it's interesting i wonder if that's going to again i wonder if that's going to be consistent or if he's going to become more of an antagonist and become more of a bad yeah. guy or well i was wondering what what like 
because like I thought it was a little quick that he like kissed Reagan like right away like mm. but obviously to me that means that there's something else like that they're not just going to be like a couple like it you know because it's like that's like a that's that's I don't need Jim and Pam but that's like a that was quick you know yeah yeah and that's uh yeah that's one of the things that also kind of was a little bit of I don't know if I'd say a red flag but just like a little bit of like a huh that's like that mm-hmm. was super quick. That was like within six hours of meeting each other. Like, yeah, <laughs> like like you're right. It's kind of almost quick. feels like, like there maybe is this like maybe a hidden agenda. Like yeah. he's trying to like get to close to everyone, and then at the end he's gonna end up putting out the story that's gonna expose everybody for something. Like I don't know. That kind of it's like yeah. that kind of feels like that's what could happen. It's either that or you just have him be like one of the friends, one of the characters, you know. But it's like he's not he's an outsider you know so it's like it could be anything you know yeah yeah and i and i think it's also like i think they're setting it up to kind of be this complex thing where you know he does like her Mm -hmm. and yet he did sort of rush into things because he had those ulterior motives of i want to get really close to like a source that's deep in the middle of this quote-unquote cultural powder keg as he (laughs) says over and over again so like yeah like i think that's That's true i think it's again just like really great writing where they set up this character where you're expecting him to eventually kind of turn and be a little bit of a betrayal um but at the same time you can't help but love him because he's funny and he's relatable and he's likable and all those things right so yeah i think yeah again like just first half i'm i'm hooked man and i thought it was it was kind of weird he wasn't in the first couple episodes that much but then the yeah, i don't know yeah. somewhere in 3 4 5 he he was more central of a role so um right same with terry yeah. Yeah, it was nice to see um, sort of them f- sort of flesh out each of the characters. Yeah, no, that's true. It's it, I do like the way that the, the the episodes are you know structured. I do like how we're getting character development, you know, and and kind of build. You know, it's like there's this plot line going through, but we're kind of going out in these little side things that are kind of giving us more information about each character and why they feel the way they do about different things. You know, it all is kind of based around the kind of based around like the lawsuit i guess um it just doesn't feel like it. it's you know, you know it's like there's not this obvious story hmm. but i mean terry suing nathan for the statue and you know uh reagan's nathan's friend who's also very you know involved with a you know a ex-native american you know she her ex is a native american yeah she's got that connection of like leaving at the altar and all this kind of stuff so there's that interesting backstory there and yeah yeah so uh, yeah well, i mean I, I mean you know i'm interested to see where it goes yeah i mean to that point in terms of the sort of convoluted plot and story and all that i mean you know it kind of reminds me of something like mike judge's extract mm. um which yeah, i love extract obviously there's connection between mike judge and greg daniels and michael sure but yeah just that whole the sort of everyday storyline that's also um a little bit goofy and outlandish but there's just a lot of sort of just random sort of chance involved um mm-hmm. speaking of extract dustin milligan was the pool boy in that, in that movie i just really oh, and, oh yeah <laughs> what that's hilarious oh my gosh that's so funny yeah but uh <laughs> <laughs> <Kristen> Wiig, Wiig. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh 
So oh, man, that's so funny. I yeah, I just, I just <laughs> as I was talking about, it, I just remembered. But um, wow. So so yeah, I mean, first half of Rutherford Falls, uh, so far so good. Um, little quibbles here and there, but uh, but I think I'm gonna enjoy uh, finishing this this new season out. I do like that they dropped yeah. all the episodes at once. Although I will say, I don't like Peacock's marketing tone. That one of the like anything about Peacock one of the right bumpers now, for their new show. <laughs> one of the bumpers, at, I think it was in the first episode of Rutherford Falls, was Peacock mm-hmm. can't not watch. Wait, what? I don't, I don't remember seeing. That. Yeah, it was like their little. It was like their logo, like the the little Peacock. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And then on right. the right side of the color bars was can't watch. Oh, <laughs> so it was like subliminal messaging or something like oh, that's their gosh. tagline or something like. Do you think the blum, blum, blum is like the reverse of the NBC theme? <laughs> well, let's see. MB, the NBC thing is dun, dun, dun. Right. Dun, 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 dun. But like you have to do it with like, dun, a, like a fluttery dun, sound. Dun, dun, it's, I, it's probably just a different <laughs> configuration of those three notes, but like it's yeah. probably not exactly reversed or something. Reverse. Yeah, it's probably like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> something like They crazy, jump man. back a couple of uh, half steps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Whereas Netflix is like... And then Hulu's Hulu's like this like choir. Uh, HBO Max. <laughs> what? Yeah. What is HBO Max? <laughs> uh, I think it's nothing. I, I think it's just. I don't think they have anything. Yeah. One uh, stings stingers. Gotta love them. Yeah. All right. So cool. Well, uh, guess we'll uh, continue this later when we finish the show. Also, oh yeah, one more thing, just real quick. I love Paul F. Tompkins, and I thought his character was hilarious. He was the in the second episode. He was the podcaster. Oh yeah, 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 the podcaster. Yeah, that was hilarious. I love, and, I love that. Yeah. Okay, and then last thing I'll say that was, that also, was one of my favorite. That was a really funny like little like bit. <laughs> Was like him podcasting and kind of how he just gets into it and then starts the way he gets him to like open up about everything is hilarious. Yeah. And then also like I noticed at the beginning of when like before they start podcasting, Mm -hmm. Nathan like kind of speaks like him, like the podcaster. Just like Andy hmm. in the office would do the persona- personality mirroring thing. I noticed <laughs> yeah. like if you oh, watch yeah. that scene where they're sitting down and he's like they're talking initially. Oh, gosh. The Nathan car- Nathan's <laughs> like, "Oh, so what do you say, good sir?" You know, it's something he's just like talking in that baroque kind of like <laughs> Right. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. That's probably just part of Nathan's character is that like whoever he's talking to, he sort of mimics. I'll hand you the hand that was once in my hand. <laughs> Well, that's what Sure said. <laughs> <laughs>